Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So I'm very fortunate that we've been able to interact with a few of our main friends since we've been down here. We've had some visitors, and I was so, so lucky to get to see my friend Carnalise's family when they were visiting. They weren't visiting me. They were visiting Florida, and I happened to be here. So it was a wonderful opportunity for me to squeeze in on their family time. (laughs) Yeah, you had dinner with them over at uh, Universal. Yeah. Um, First of all, I had a great vegan Italian sausage dish, and it was uh, that was was great. But I also got to meet the the small people that she made uh, (laughs) out of her parts. And uh, Nicholas, Zoe, and Eva all absolutely precious and I had just the best time and you know how I can be uh, awkward with children sometimes what no um I have a hard time communicating because I don't know like what level I'm supposed to communicate at so I don't know to I mean I don't want to like baby talk to kids that aren't baby talky right sure so it takes me a bit to feel comfortable but with these children I was immediately put at ease because they were so wonderful and weird and immediately started asking me questions about how to monetize a podcast. (laughs) At what ages? Not sure exactly. I think he's like 12. 12 years old, and he's asking you how to monetize a podcast. Not just how to monetize, but how he can be a part of the production so that we can then pay him. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. uh, I'll have to look into that and see what our options are. And he was like, listen, I need an income. (laughs) Okay. like, okay, okay. He's going to go far in life. (laughs) I love it. Well, as it begins to rain here in Florida, which it never does, by the way. So shocking. I got a story for you. Okay. Marijuana. Okay. Flour. Ganja. Giggle smoke. Dank fatty nugs. The devil's lettuce. These high school boys and girls are having a hop at the local soda fountain. Innocently, they dance. Innocent of a new and deadly menace lurking behind closed doors. Marijuana, the burning weed with its roots in hell. In this film, you will see the ease with which this vicious plant can be grown in your neighbor's yard, rolled into harmless-looking cigarettes, 
hidden in an innocent shoe. <laughs> hidden in an innocent shoe. Yep, yep, that's Is what that happened. Is that where people hid it, their devil's lettuce? I guess back in the 1930s. Oh. Uh, and it couldn't be a guilty shoe. You had to hide it in an innocent shoe. Of course. But then again, if it was an innocent shoe and it had like weed in it, it wouldn't be innocent anymore, would it? It would be guilty of harboring an illicit substance. I guess. Mankind has long, had a long and complicated history with cannabis, and it appears that history goes back much, much further than we thought. In 1997 in Czechoslovakia, a hemp rope was found that dates back 29,000 years. Wow. It's the oldest known object linking man with marijuana. Hemp has played a very important role in the history of mankind. It was legal for thousands and thousands of years, but not only that, it was considered an extremely important crop in many cultures. Well, I mean, it's it still should be. I'm not going to get into it. Please continue. It was used for many things. It held commercial value, it held medicinal value, and it held spiritual value. Since then, it's been used for its medicinal properties all over the globe for millennia, and it makes one wonder, why was it demonized in the first place? Why is it considered to be a poison? Well, due in large part to propaganda, much like the 1930s film Reefer Madness. Here is an example. A 16-year-old lad apprehended in the act of staging a holdup. 16 years old and a marijuana addict. Here is the most tragic case. Yes, I remember. Just a young boy. Under the influence of the drug, he killed his entire family with an axe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, smoked smoked a dube and then murdered his family yeah. with an axe. Because he was addicted to marijuana. Cannabis cultivation can be traced back 12,000 years. It's one of the oldest cultivated crops. Marijuana, experts believe, originally evolved in what is now Central Asia. And evidence shows that the early cultiva- uh, cultivation of weed can be pinned to the oldest Neolithic culture in China called the Yangshao. Wow. In fact, all along the uh, Yellow River Valley, it appears as though the Yangshao economy was primarily driven by cannabis, by the cultivation of weed. Hmm. And this was about uh, between 5,000 and 3,000 B.C. Archaeologists and researchers have discovered that the Yangshao people wove hemp into cloth. They used that cloth for clothing. They made parchment out of hemp. They even produced hemp pottery. Now, the first historical references of marijuana being used for medicinal purposes was by the Chinese emperor Sheng Nong in 2737 B.C. He wrote, that uh, it was a very effective way of treating his rheumatism and gout. Gout? Yeah. Really? They found marijuana seeds in ancient tombs in China, presumably for the use in the afterlife. You wanted to, while you're in heaven, you know, get wasted. Sure. Coastal Chinese farmers then migrated to Korea and brought cannabis with them about 2000 B.C., and it reached India about the same time. The Indians referred to it as bang. And that's still actually a slang word for it today. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. It was recorded in uh, the four Vedas, the books of knowledge in India, between 1400 and 1000 B.C. Cannabis use has been recorded in ancient Egypt as far back as 2000 B.C. 
It's been noted on several scrolls that listed medicinal plants and was commonly used to treat cataracts and eyesores. Egyptian women used cannabis to, quote, relieve monthly sorrow and bad humor. <laughs> cannabis pollen has even been found on the mummy of Ramesses II. Oh, wow. In fact, researchers have been able to link cannabis pollen to all of the known royal mummies. That's incredible. Since then, of course, it's circled the globe. It was brought to Europe about 2,800 years ago. Ancient Greek writings make mention of it as a remedy for inflammation. Traces of it have been discovered in Britain as early as uh, the 5th century during the uh, Anglo-Saxon invasions. It was the Spanish who brought it to the Americas in the mid-1500s. The English introduced it in 1611 at Jamestown, which I find very interesting because that colony just mysteriously <laughs> disappeared. Right. They just, maybe they smoked a bunch of weed and wandered into the wilderness. <laughs> uh, Napoleon used it for pain medication in 1799. By the early 20th century, it had a pretty good foothold in what is now the United States, mostly in the Southwest where it came in from Mexico when immigrants were fleeing Mexico during the revolution of 1910-1911. Okay. It was at this time that many state and local laws in the U.S. began outlawing its use, and there was a federal law in 1937 created called Marijuana Tax Act. It banned its use and sales, and again, that was 1937. So up until that point, up until 1937, it had a successful 5,000-year run as a therapeutic plant with no history <laughs> of illegality. So how did people discover its medical properties? This is, I, I find this interesting. The theory is that sometime in the Stone Age, a bunch of cavemen were hanging out by the fire. Of course, that's what they did back then. Right. It was, that was the social and communal spot in a tribe or a pack of humans at the time, if you will. <laughs> the thought is that they were using hemp for rope or cloth or whatever, but somebody dropped some uh, some dank fatty nugs in the campfire. Sure. And everybody went, well, that's cool. <laughs> in fact, Otzi, the Bronze Age Iceman that was found frozen in a glacier in the Alps, had a pouch of marijuana with him. This all leads me to this recent story. An archaeological dig took place at William Shakespeare's historic property in Stratford-on-the-Avon, England. Among other items, they found pipe fragments, pieces of ceramic pipes mm. that date back 400 years to the time of Shakespeare. It's very possible and even likely these pipes were smoked by Shakespeare himself. The fragments were examined by anthropologists as well as botanists using sophisticated uh, forensic methods, and the results were printed in the South African Journal of Science. Researchers found cannabis residue on eight of the fragments. Aha! Uh -huh. Four of those fragments came directly from Shakespeare's garden. In addition to traces of weed, other fragments of pipe revealed residue of Peruvian cocaine. Oh, my. So, did Shakespeare use... The author of the study, anthropologist Francis Thackeray, says the answer might be in Shakespeare's writings. For example, Shakespeare's Sonnet 76 says, quote, Why with the time do I not glance aside to newfound methods into compounds strange? Why do I write still all one ever the same and keep invention of a noted weed? 
Thackeray suggests the noted weed is a reference to marijuana, and perhaps he used it for creative writing purposes. Sure. He also interprets the sonnet as his not wanting to be associated with compounds strange. So his full interpretation of that is that he was aware of the ill side effects of cocaine and preferred using cannabis instead for creative writing purposes. Uh-huh. Well, you can't argue with a guy who came up with the name Jessica. Thackeray is so sure of this theory that he tried to have Shakespeare's remains exhumed oh. to determine the cause of death, which, by the way, that itself is still unknown. Nobody knows for sure what caused Shakespeare's death. Mm. And, of course, he also wanted to see if there was any evidence of potential drug use in a non-destructive manner. As an example, grooves between the canine and incisor teeth would suggest that he had been chewing on a pipe while he was smoking it. Right. It's very doubtful they could find any kind of traces in his remains of, of drugs at this point. I don't know. I've been told it stays in your system for a long time. <laughs> Maybe not 400 years, but a long time. <laughs> the exhumation never happened, and I'm sure Shakespeare's glad because he had very a very strong obsession with burial and a fear of being dug up. In fact, on his gravestone is carved, quote, Blessed be the man that spares these stones, and cursed be he that moves my bones. I think it's fair to say we should not dig him up then. There's no question that marijuana was smoked in Elizabethan England, and it was smoked quite a bit. Mm -hmm. But even though these pipes were found in the Bard's garden, we can't conclusively determine that Shakespeare owned those pipes. Consequently, we don't know for a fact if he used cannabis to inspire his writings. I guess it is true that there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than ever dreamt of in your philosophy. William Shakespeare? Pothead. Possibly. <laughs> My source material, Time Magazine, interestingliterature.com, Ancient Origins, and CNN. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's true that for centuries, uh, it was utilized uh, regularly without there being a problem. But there was this mass propaganda against the product. And it's, it's so interesting. It's so hard to shake those ideas uh, that, that propaganda has put into our brain, like it's some sort of shameful thing. And whereas, you know, I don't think that treating your glaucoma is shameful. <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> have you ever seen that movie, uh, Reefer Madness? No, I have oh not. Oh, my God, you should watch that. We uh, it used to be very popular in what was called in the 80s uh, and 90s, the midnight movie circuit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where movie theaters would play stuff that uh, people would get stoned and go watch. Sure. And that was a popular one. That's delightful. Yeah. I remember going to see that with my friend Jeff in probably 1983. Mm -hmm. And boy, that theater smelled funny. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the Aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. 
And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura frames, and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code oddities at checkout. And you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, If you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. And now, that thing in the middle. Today, cosmetics are a multi-billion dollar industry. But cosmetics have been around for a long time. Did you know Cleopatra had a special lipstick made for her? It consisted of a mixture of crushed ants and deep red carmine beetles. The last episode I talked about uh, Mark Kilroy, the guy who was kidnapped and uh, executed, murdered. Oh, the Mexican cartel guy. Right. That, uh, what was the name of that... uh called Narc- the narco satanists yeah he was uh he was kidnapped and murdered by them in the uh, 80s got this email from amy i just had my first boo effect mark was my cousin <gasps> my wife and i were discussing her sister who went missing 20 years ago in louisiana oh, i'm sorry oh my goodness. i told her about mark and what it was like when he was missing and then we got in the car and turned on the box of oddities We looked at each other when you first started to describe the case, and we both said, no way. Whoa. Of course, Mark is still missing. I remember spending summers and swimming with him and hanging out at Grandpa's farm very fondly. 
Man, it's a small world. Every time, it absolutely blows my mind when someone reaches out and says they had a personal connection with a story that we talked about. Richard emailed us, Hey, Kat and Jethro, I'm listening to Box 469, Marital Sweat Equity, and Kat was talking about a cat who could sense death. Well, I worked for a nursing home as a maintenance tech, and we had our very own death cat. Wow. It was brought to the facility by a patient who ended up passing about a year or so after she arrived, and over that time, the cat kind of became a part of the facility. And so after the cat's owner passed, her family made the decision that the cat was best off living at the facility. After a while, we started to notice that between 48 and 72 hours before someone would pass, the cat cat would curl up on the foot of their bed, only leaving to get a quick bite of food or to do its kitty business. Wow. It was so reliable that after a while, we would use it to plan out which rooms we would soon be having to do work in to prepare for another patient. Oh, my God. Love everything you guys do. Keep flying your freak flag. Rick. Rick. Thank you. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah, that episode you talked about a woman who could smell Parkinson's disease developing in a person. Alicia writes, hi, wanted to comment that medical staff are very familiar with the neuro smell it. It even has a name. We call it Neurofunk. Oh, wow. David messaged us on Instagram. After listening to yesterday's episode about the lady who could smell Parkinson's, you touched upon the idea of who could smell cancer. I think there could be a whole story there on animals who can smell sickness. I know they were using dogs to smell COVID for a while. Wow. Eric Church, Tool, and Metallica and other bands used them on tour to prevent getting shut down. Wow, wow. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, that story really, uh, it, it touched a lot of people. We got another email from Parker, who said they were very excited about your story because, quote, I too am a, per- am a person with a heightened sense of smell. <gasps> In your research, Kat, did you come across anything where regular old randos with super smellers can apply slash be tested for slash given a trial run slash be interviewed slash whatever the right word would be for helping smell diseases? Wow, I didn't, but I think that would be absolutely amazing if you could get involved in something like that. I wouldn't even know where to start. Parker said, I fucking love science and would be honored to help smell out more than where precisely the cat pissed in the house. (laughs) Because I know I was put here to help people with my very special brain, and it's a talent I already have. Well, we'll look into that, Parker. Thanks for writing to us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. 
We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The only podcast endorsed by the Box of Oddities Freaks social medias. Betcha that's no coincidence. This is the Box of Oddities. In Iowa County, Wisconsin, in the United States, there stands a house you may have heard of. Built in the early 1900s, this house slash complex is said to draw more visitors than any other attraction in Wisconsin. It's an architectural masterpiece. And it's not the Taliesin. Oh, the Frank Lloyd Wright house. Yes. And that certainly had a dark and ominous past. Right. Um, You did talk about that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, So this house is called House on the Rock. And (laughs) thanks so much to Rachel for sending me this topic on Instagram. House on the Rock is located between the cities of Dodgeville and Spring Green, Wisconsin. And it's an attraction, not a hotel. So don't get your hopes up uh, or get confused, though it is very confusing. And there are certainly enough rooms where it could be a hotel, but it's not. It's usually open daily from 9 to 5, though that does change from time to time based on holidays. And the hours do change seasonally. It was designed by Alex Jordan, initially completed in 1959 and opened to the public in 1960, and it's been built upon over the years since. The house, quote-unquote, we're going to just call it a house, even though it's... um, It sits atop Deer Shelter Rock. When you go there, you're welcomed by a beautiful Asian-style garden, and then you come into this Japanese-style main house, and it feels... Uh, kind of like a typical prairie style home in in decor like you walk in and there's yes there are asian decorations but there's also like that dark wood low ceilings stained glass lamps clean lines clean lines and then you reach the infinity room which is a glass room hundreds of feet long. What? It juts out away from the main building, seemingly without structural support, and it gets more and more narrow until it reaches a point, 15 stories over the forest floor. Some places have glass flooring, so you can peer down onto the treetops. Oh, that would... uh... That would make my butt pucker. And it just gets weirder. One article described it by saying, get ready for a sensory overload and a real life version of a Tim Burton movie. (laughs) It's said that Alex Jordan wanted to build a man-made retreat as awe-inspiring as the view from the home. And you certainly get that view from the infinity room. It's also said that Jordan didn't draw plans for the house. He just had things built and then would tear it down if it didn't work. It sounds like the Winchester house. It's kind of Winchester housey. There's also a sculpture garden, the Alex Jordan Jr. Center. And this is section one of the house on the rock. Then you move into section two. Yeah, it's huge. It's recommended that you plan to spend at least three hours there to tour it properly. Section two consists of a tribute to nostalgia, 
Spirit of Aviation, Music of Yesterday, Streets of Yesterday, Mill House, Heritage of the Sea, and Carousel. According to the website, Tribute to Nostalgia features vintage automobiles and other marvelous means of movement. Holy crap, this place must be huge. Within Section 2, you'll find indoor streets of brick lined with a carver's shop, a barber shop, sheriff's office, which features a head in a jar, and apothecary. (laughs) It features trinkets and toys from the past, vintage cars, a hearse, hot air balloon, and coin-operated automatronic drumline band. And visitors get a free handful of tokens. Wow, this is, uh, this guy's a visionary. Is something. Mm. Yeah. It's a weird vision, but... It is. And um, in the reviews, like if you go to TripAdvisor and you search for this, you are going to find the most extreme reviews you've ever seen. Some people are pissed because this place is almost too much. It's sensory overload. (laughs) And some people are like, this is the most marvelous thing I've ever seen. So it's one extreme or the other. It really is. When you move into Heritage of the Sea, this is the newest of the rooms. It debuted in 1990. It's a huge space dominated by a 200-foot-long sea monster battling a giant squid. Visitors walk a ramp that makes its way up and in, passing a Titanic display, over 200 model ships, and a giant animatronic octopus. In Section 2, you'll also find the world's largest indoor carousel. It's 35 feet tall. Holy shit. 80 feet wide and is comprised of 269 animals, but not a single horse. Okay. It has more than 20,000 lights. Now, moving right along, you're going to pass hundreds of topless angels hanging (laughs) around you. Really? And you must walk down the red carpeted throat of a giant demon to get out of this room. I see. Some believe that this building... This complex was originally built as a spite house, which we talked about spite houses a while back. Right. And this theory claims that it was meant to taunt famous architect Frank Lloyd Wright. Who would want to taunt Frank Lloyd Wright? Well... Taunting Frank Lloyd Wright, that's just not right. But it might be a title. Alex Jordan's biographers relate this story, and I just want to insert this little tidbit. Alex Jordan was proclaimed as the 1976 world champion liar. So just keep in mind Mm. that fact while we're going through all the rest of this. I didn't realize that there was a competition. I didn't know either. Mm. The story was told by Sid Boyum, And it goes like this. Alex Jordan Jr. and Frank Lloyd Wright, at some time between 1914 and 1923, met. Apparently, Boyum and Jordan supposedly drove to show Frank Lloyd Wright the plans for a building that was being worked on. Wright looked at the plans and told Jordan, I wouldn't hire you to design a cheese crate or a chicken coop. (laughs) You're not capable. Oh, my God. A cheese crate. Mm. Now, there are some problems with this story. Both Sid Boyum and Alex Jordan Jr. would have been less than nine at the time Hmm. that this story supposedly took place. That would make it very cruel of Frank Lloyd Wright to to taunt a youngster with dreams of architectural glory. Mm, Seems like a shitty way to talk to a baby. Now... Also keep in mind that at the time this supposedly happened, Frank Lloyd Wright was working in Japan. So 
Either way, the house was built for decades, and it was a passion project, for sure. The third section of this house is more like Jordan's collections uh, and oddities, and they're on display. That includes theater organs, carousels that were made specifically for dolls, an elephant pyramid... A lot of the reviews that I've seen say things like, why have 50 fake crowns when you can have 500, right? So there's a lot of excess and extremism going on. It might be a hoarder's paradise. I was just going to say, this guy seems to fall somewhere between collector and hoarder, Mm. but with a lot of money. Yeah, he claimed that he was broke, that he had no money, but there's no way that you can amass this type of collection and not have something coming from somewhere. Maybe maybe he means he's broke now. Because, because of yeah. the money that he spent on this enormous carousel? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. One elephant too many. Mm-hmm. That's what I say. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, the reason that I'm super excited about sharing this now is there is an event at Halloween that they host at the House on the Rock called The Dark Side. And this happens for several days. They turn down the lights and they allow guests to visit from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. So you get to see this maze of winding hallways and scary rooms and interesting spaces and topless angels. Um, <laughs> and it's and it's dark. And I can't imagine that it's not a little spooky. I would love to go there. Yeah, me too. Meanwhile, at Christmas, sections one and two are decked out for the holidays. Uh, section three at this time is closed for Christmas. But the house boasts that during its Christmas show, more than six thousand collectible Santas are on display. Hmm. Six thousand. So it must look like that terracotta army. Yeah, <laughs> but, but with Santas. But with Santas, mm-hmm. I would think that there would be a really great opportunity to open up dark hours at Christmas time too, mm. and make that spooky. Because oh, six thousand yeah. Santas—that's terrifying. <laughs> Especially if they're all identical. <laughs> Like they've been stamped out of a mold in a Santa figurine factory. That sounds horrifying. Yeah. um, So absolutely want to check this out. It is mostly indoors. There are a ton of stairs, a ton of ramps. So keep that in mind if Mm -hmm. you do want to visit that there might offer some challenges for those who have mobility issues. And some people just don't like it. Like it's, you know, there are parts that are, I'm sure, hard to clean. It might be a little dusty here and there. Mm -hmm. Uh, It might be a little overwhelming for those with sensory issues. It's nearly impossible to effectively dust an army of Santa Clauses. (laughs) But uh, yeah, definitely want to check that out. And uh, you can find more about it at the House on the Rock website. Of course, TripAdvisor is a great resource for incredible reviews for this place. And I got the rest of my information from roadtrippers.com, Quirky Travel Guy, Wikipedia, of course, roadsideamerica.com, and weburbanist.com. The House on the Rock. Sounds like one of those churches you find in a partially abandoned strip mall. You're not going to trick me with your Jimi Hendrix font. (laughs) There's an obscure Maria Bamford reference (laughs) for those of you who are not Maria Bamford fans. And if you're not a Maria Bamford fan... You uh, should be. Yeah, you should be. (laughs) 
We're starting to get emails from people with their Halloween stories for ah. our Halloween special. Again, now, a lot of them, people have just written them out. Saying, don't write them. Saying, my voice isn't very... We don't care. By the way, your voice sounds better than you think. Yeah. We may still use some of those that have been written out, but we really want to hear it in your own voice. So... If something strange or unusual or spooky or creepy, whatever the case may be, has happened to you or you witnessed it happen to somebody else. Record it. Tell us your story in your own words and email it to us. Curator at theboxofoddities.com. Our Halloween special. This is our fifth Halloween special. Yep. No. It is. Fifth? Our fifth. No. (laughs) How? How have we been doing that? 2018, 19, 20, 21, 22. This will be our fifth. Thanks for showing it to me on your hand. You're welcome. (laughs) And we'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. And fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. Henceforth, the box of oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash BoxOfOdditiesPodcast On Twitter at BoxOfOddities and Instagram at BoxOfOdditiesPodcast Copyright 2022 All rights reserved. These high school boys and girls are having a hop at the local soda fountain. Innocently, they dance. Innocent of a new and deadly menace lurking behind closed doors. Marijuana, the burning weed with its roots in hell. In this film, you will see the ease with which this vicious plant can be grown in your neighbor's yard, rolled into harmless-looking cigarettes, hidden in an innocent shoe, or watch case. In this startling film, you will see dopesters lure children to destruction. We're going over to Joe's place. Why don't you come along? We have a date to play a set of doubles. Oh, you can play anytime. Come on, we'll have some laughs. Can I go along with you? Sure. Hey, I'll see you at dinner, sis. If you want a good smoke, try one of these. You will meet Bill, who once took pride in his strong will as he takes the first step toward enslavement. Smoking the soul-destroying reaper, they find a moment's pleasure, but at a terrible price. Debauchery, violence, murder, suicide. the ultimate end of the marijuana addict. Hopeless insanity. See this important film now before it is too late. All you need is a few minutes to start your day off with something historic when you listen to the This Day in History podcast. Every day there's a new episode for you to listen and learn about what happened that day way back when. 
So listen and subscribe to This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. That's This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts.